Hey, this is Nick from BJJ Pandas. This is Vic. And we are back. So, hey, if you're listening for the first time, just uh, thank you for coming and joining us. Appreciate that. If you've been a listener since the beginning, going to make a slight apology. We took a break. So last episode you heard was back in April. Now we are in September, almost almost October, and we haven't been able to really produce a whole lot of content for you. So a lot of things going on. This uh, episode number... Uh, whatever the number is. It was uploaded today. I think it's like 32. Something like that. Actually walks through why we haven't been around and talks about the journey that we've had as we go through. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Hopefully you enjoyed it. It's an amazing podcast. Lots of cool stuff. If you've been listening forever, guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. I've heard you. I've, I've been getting messages and people telling me, where's the podcast? I miss Monday mornings. We're back. We are absolutely back and back for uh, at least the duration. So we do have, you'll notice a little bit of an audio degradation. Uh, if you listen to some of the original content, it sounds like complete shit. And then if you listen to like episode four through something, it sounds much better. And then if you listen to, at some point, uh, the episodes, they sound really, really good. And now we're kind of back to the much better stage because my board broke. Um, oh, we'll get it back. If I had that board, I'd make like a wah, wah, wah. So yeah. I don't have that board. So hopefully we're going to get that back here pretty soon, and the the the, the uh, audio quality will go back to where it was. But the content has always been amazing. Yeah. So welcome back, guys. Welcome back. Hey, real quick, just want to plug a couple of things we have going on. So uh, do you want to just give a shout out to Triple Crown MMA? So that's the gym that both Vic and I train out of, and Jordan Sullivan. So really excited to be there. Uh, but do you want to do a couple of uh, shameless promotional plugs? Yeah, I have to. Uh, Got to. All right. Well, as long as you guys are okay with it. Uh, not going to be like a, a, a JRE episode where I plug everything in the you entire world. Well, not everything. Not, yeah. <laughs> uh, so BJJ Pandas. Guys, you all had inspired me to start a line of geese and no gi wear. My wife also started Shadow Realm BJJ with Elisa Hampton, so super excited. We have a full line of gear. So we have geese, we have rash guards, we have shorts. The whole shebang. Every, you want it, we got it. Well, not everything. Not most. Just most about things. everything. Just about everything. We do patches, we do shirts, we do hoodies, hats, pretty much whatever you'd want uh, if, you're, if you're practicing BJJ. We have slides. We have slides. We yes. don't really have slides. Well, we kind of have slides. We can't... Working on. I tried them. They weren't great. I don't want to sell them. If we uh, yeah, so okay, we're, we're good. Uh, yeah. But we, we're, we, working out. we're also working on boxing gloves and shin guards for our striking fans. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of cool stuff. If you head over to BJJPandas.com, you're going to see a great website that actually has a bunch of links. One of those links is to all the previous podcasts. You'll be able to see those. Uh, there's also a link to our gear. So if you click on products, you can go to BJJPandasGear.com forward slash store, which is a lot to remember. So just go to BJJPandas.com. And you'll be able to see a full line of all the different products that we offer. You can pick them up in person if you're in the tri-state Kentucky, Cincinnati area. Or you can get them sent to you because we ship. So that's certainly a thing. Credit card, PayPal, whatever you want to use. Uh, and guys, we are so excited to be back. I'm excited. We have the, this uh, BJJ Pandas line, Shadow Realm line of gear that is going out all over the country. We have uh, schools that are supporting uh, the, the line throughout the country by using us as their provider of their gear for their academies. And we have them all over here in Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, all over the place. So we are everywhere, and we're really, really excited. The other thing I'd ask, and I think Vic asks more than I do, is if you want to share your story, let us know. Go on to bjjpandas.com, click the Contact Us, shoot me a message on Instagram, shoot me a message on Facebook, bjjpandas, Shadow Realm, bjj, either one, and uh, click, like it, follow us, 
to all the things you do on social media. And we're going to grow this thing to be huge. So We want your story. We do. I want your story. Vic wants your story. Our Give audience it to wants us. your story. We all want it. Everybody wants to hear your journey. Guys, so with that, hopefully you enjoy the episodes. Let us know what you think, and we'll talk to you all soon. Petition get medals. So you're saying it wasn't necessarily the fourth guy. You were you were third. I was there. No, I got yeah, I got the medal. A couple calls could have kept me from the finals, but that's on me. I I left Jordan in. Uh, I won a Chicago Open that weekend without a coach on my own. <laughs> Coincidentally, the last gold medal I've ever won. <laughs> I think that's the bronze medalist. You got it. Yeah. Uh, so winning the Chicago Open was uh, it's a personal thing for me. Welcome back to Panda Stories, Journeys from the Mat. I'm Nick. I'm Sean. Wait a second. You don't look like Sean. No, I'm Sean. I'm pretty sure you're not. No, I'm just kidding. I'm Vic. Hey, <laughs> Vic's back. So if you remember Vic, Vic is actually filling in for us today as our guest co-host. Sean, unfortunately, has like a real job uh, that he has to pay bills with and stuff. So. Oh, big boy stuff. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's real. So yeah. Sean's not going to be with us. Uh, but today, we have a very special guest, as we normally do. Yeah. But this one's an extra special, probably because he fed us before the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, he brought in uh, he brought an amazing steak. Uh, it was pretty good. It was uh, it was smoked and then seared and yeah. just delicious. I mean, I don't, I can't think of a much better way to get to the soul of someone than buy a steak. I think exactly. the Brazilian community around here would be very impressed I, by I that. agree. I mean, this is as close to picanha as I've had other yeah. than picanha. So. <laughs> well done. With that, Mr. Mike Little. Hi, Mike. How you guys doing? I'm Thanks doing for great. Thanks. Me. Mike uh, boasts the bronze medalist, and we're going to get into that in a little while. Yes, sir. Bronze medal BJJ. <laughs> I have like over 20 bronze medals. I think you, you actually have an Instagram account with... Uh, I used to. used to. Okay, yeah, I, I used to, pre-pandemic. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for bringing dinner. Appreciate of course, that. Man. Just got done with comp class and a uh, little, little hot and tired, so that was cool. Great to have some, some good old fashioned oh, steak right out. Yeah, that was real nice. That was that's real nice. nice. Yeah. This, is how, this is how you stay on that heavyweight diet. It really is. It really <laughs> is. That's that's you know pandas. Everybody thinks they just eat uh, bamboo, and that's that's not real. They yeah. eat steak. Lots and lots of steak. Well, anyway, so Mike, let's get into it, man. Let's get right down to it. Let's start uh, the the journey of Mike Little. Really excited to hear about this. I think it's it's uh, it's something that I've look, been looking forward to for quite a while. So really excited at the opportunity here today. So let's just start off. Uh, we usually ask height, weight, uh, weight class, anyway, and then rank. Yeah. How long have so, you been training? I've uh, been training since two thousand and eight. So what is that? Thirteen or fourteen years? That's a minute. Yeah, it's been a while. I was in first grade <laughs> in two thousand and eight. Awesome. Now I want to stand myself. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I was not. I was almost 30 in 2008. So there's that. Exactly. <laughs> so you started in 2008. You are uh, which weight? Um, I'm ultra heavyweight. My weight varies at this moment. Um, before the pandemics hit, I was right about 228. Uh, through some medication changes and some life changes in my life, I, I put a little bit of weight on. I got as high as 275 pounds, and then now I think I'm under 260. Nice. Awesome. So the goal is just to probably get back to 245, 235. Um, if I compete in jiu-jitsu, it's going to be ultra heavyweight. Yep. I have no desire to get back down to 215 pounds. That's tough, man. That's tough. I, I, I will say, I'm going to give a shout-out. We're not sponsored by at yeah. all. Although it would be cool if we were, Naga. Uh, we're not sponsored <laughs> at all by anybody at this point. But uh, I went to a Naga, and they actually had a COVID weight class, which, which I thought was dope. That's awesome. So they went up to 225 to 250. So I cut down to 246 for the last Naga. 
super excited because they actually have their director is 40 plus. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh man, I get I, I get to be young in my in my age bracket. That never happens, and I get to be like on point for weight and not have to go against some like 400 pound behemoth. And I get there, and there were no other fat blue belts that are old. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I, I'm not saying I told you so. I'm not saying I told you so, but I told you. <laughs> you did. You did. Lots of people did. Like, why are you even cutting weight? Don't cut weight for local tournaments. I, I will tell you the advantage, however, was there weren't any fat old old guys either or fat young guys in blue belt. So I'd have been screwed anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up going down in age and didn't have to go up in weight. So that was cool. That works. That, that works. sucked. There's some great big fellas here in Kentucky. So, Mike, talk to me about where, where did it start? Why okay. did you start jiu-jitsu? Where did it begin? I remember the day. Um, I was uh, a total UFC bro when it first came out. You know, like, you just see these people just wailing on each other. And um, Now, the first fight I actually really watched was Anderson Silva versus Dan Henderson. Um, Silva ended up getting, I believe, a rear naked choke. And at that point, I was following Dan Henderson because of wrestling. I've always been, like, a collegiate wrestling um fan and had a couple good buddies that wrestled in college that were like really high level. Um, so after college, I needed to stay active. Um, in college, I did a lot of different things. I never made varsity, but I played club baseball, all the intramural sports. And when I saw uh, Anderson Silva and like the way he just mastered his entrance and his, his presence, and not only is he one of the best strikers He's a legit ground person. Oh, for sure. So next thing you know, I'm training UFC. Let's do this, right? Let's train some UFC. So uh, I think Sean, you, Sean, talked about this before, is people always talk about, I need to lose weight before I go into a gym. Yep. So I wanted to lose weight before I went into a gym. So I was about, what was I, post-college? 245-ish. Again, went in, 200 pounds. Ate all the good food and drank all the beer. <laughs> um, so that part of me still been around for a while. So once I got down to about 215 pounds, I joined. Son of Siam had just opened. And you walk in, there's cages, there's mats. You're like, oh, I'm a UFC fighter. Let's go. So I signed up. I went to a couple intro classes. Then I went to a Saturday class. And Luke Zacharich had to research this. He was actually on the Ultimate Fighter 7. Okay. He was the coach. I'm like, I'm trained with a UFC fighter. I got this. <laughs> getting punched hurts. <laughs> yeah. Not comfortable. Most people don't like getting punched. I, I don't. In fact, Vic is scared of being kicked or punched. So the only thing I can use to keep him in check, because he's definitely much better than yeah. in jiu-jitsu than I am and younger and stronger and all those fun things, uh, I just help him stand up. Yeah. And he usually lays on the ground and says, come at me, bro. And that's how the fun ensues. Right. Yeah, just butt scooting. Yeah. Dirty butt scooter. He's a really good scooter. butt scooter. Yeah. He's like a dog. That's got, I'm all about you know, that shit butt scooter. Collegiate level butt scooter. <laughs> that's actually what I'm known for. For sure. Known for. It's uh. So you know, I started training Muay Thai, and even if I'm 200 pounds or you know up to 275 or where I'm at, you know under 260, my head is still the same size. It is. Uh, what that means is I'm really able to get punched. Especially if you throw a punch, if you don't move your head you're probably going to get the same punch back with equal, if not more force, simple physics. I mean, I got tired of it. I'm clumsy. I'm uncoordinated. And then I saw Billy Peace was teaching gi jiu-jitsu. I'm like, what the hell's gi jiu-jitsu? So I put on this gi and stuff and that's fun. 
<laughs> and it's on the ground. Like, I don't have to, like, get punched to go to the ground. I can start there. And again, I, I think a lot of people, once they start doing jujitsu, whether it be gi or no gi, we all we have the come to Jesus moment. Being a big, strong guy, that doesn't matter, right? I think Elisa... She was even grappling back then. I think she was in high school. Still. I think Elisa's. Uh, she's a purple belt now. Uh, she actually she's gonna be on the podcast here in a little while. Oh, sweet. Yeah, very excited about that. Awesome. She's maybe a hundred and twenty pounds, twenty five pounds. Yeah, I think her and Bella are like the same weight. About twenty. Yeah, I think she's like five two, five, five, three, maybe. She's super yeah. small. She's our Muay Thai coach, mm-hmm. and I hold pads for her a lot of times during Muay Thai class on Mondays. My God, it's all I, like, I, 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 I legit. I'm like, I'm holding pets. I feed really hard for her kicks, and she always tells me, You don't have to feed that hard. I'm like, Yeah, but you kick really, really hard. <laughs> of course, I'm you know, a great big guy. But. No, she's uh, she's a real deal. She's been the real deal even when she was younger. So, just like grappling with again, big guys that get really humbled when they grapple with either people not their size or you know, people of the opposite gender. You know, once you get tapped out by someone smaller than you, you want to keep going and keep going. And then, like, that first submission, I think the first submission I ever hit in a class with a, was a triangle. I, I was so hooked. So I started competing. Wait, the first submission you ever hit was a triangle? First submission ever in a live role was Who a triangle. Who said big boys can't do triangles? Dang. Keep in mind, man, I got some long legs here. <laughs> and I'll show you guys some true. of these videos uh, when we get finished. At least it, I used to have more of that build of Jordan, not the shreddedness. But when I was 200 pounds, I had, I had length. I think my first competition, I think I looked, was 2009, and my first submission win was later on in 2009. At that time, most people will actually train no-gi, because that was really big. Well, that's the UFC thing. That's the whole UFC thing, and gi tournaments were always held last. So people would register for both tournaments, and then you get through no-gi, and no-gi's tiring, do you have to throw in a gi? We all pieced out. <laughs> so I trained at Sun Asylum from 2009 or 2008 to about 2010. I switched jobs and then I took 2010 off. I still kept in contact with Jordan Sullivan, the owner of our current gym. So Jordan was training at Sun Asylum. Yeah, he was a coach. Yep. This was right when Jordan first got his purple belt and right after he came back from Brazil. So you got pre Brazil Jordan, which is great. I mean, a purple belt. (laughs) No, man, a purple belt in 2008. I mean, we didn't have black belts in the area. Yeah, I think we might have had two, and they're up at uh, George's gym. So training with a purple belt, you're in awe. You know, he comes back from Brazil and he's just a monster. So Jordan was actually one of my first coaches, along with Billy Peace, along with Luke Zakridge, and the owner of uh, Son of Siam. Once Jordan opened up Triple Town CrossFit. He threw some gymnastic mats in the back of the corner, and he called it the jiu-jitsu school. <laughs> I lived down the street, and I came to Jordan as a, I think a two-stripe white belt. And then I got my blue belt that year, December of 2011. So you got your blue belt from Jordan? Yeah. Awesome. So you've been so, with Jordan pretty much since the beginning. From the beginning, I've been with Jordan, Sean, Billy Peace. That's awesome. I didn't really meet Sean until 2011. Okay. What kind of got me hooked with his methodology is... That shoulder pressure, the Sean Hammonds, that Lloyd Irvin uh, shoulder pressure, that was new for her at the time. And once I felt that, I'm like, oh, let's go. <laughs> like, I think I could do this. So I think that's, that's really funny because 
when I started as a white belt in 2000, whatever the heck it was, Mike actually was one of the first people that I, that I looked up to as a coach. Similar body styles, right? Bigger guys mm-hmm. and that pressure. And he was the first person to really help me understand how to apply pressure. Not just have pressure, but apply pressure. Absolutely. And that angle and the di- like we, we spent a lot of time in, in side control and really helped me understand where that comes from. So it's it's really cool to hear about how Jordan, you know, the reason that you did this was because of that pressure. And, and that's that's the game, right? That's yeah. your game. And you got to bring, you know, bring that down to me. So that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So you, you came to – you were at Triple Crown CrossFit. And I think it was about six years ago now. So we're 2021. So like 2015, uh, 2016, I guess. We moved from Triple Crown CrossFit over here to Triple Crown. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that was huge. So we made there. And it's something that, you know, Jordan and I can attest. We were both in our 20s. And I'll talk about this later. I like jujitsu for the fight. You guys, anybody that knows me, I would never lay a finger on anybody outside the gym. But I just think it's fun to wrestle around with my friends. Immaturity of myself, and I will be honest, I mean, a young Jordan, purple belt, monster of Jordan, was also immature. And we both clashed. So one night after practice, I said, screw it. This is after, I did I medal at the Pan Ams that year? It was one of the years I had a medal at the Pan Ams as a blue belt. I just up and quit, triple crown. Really? I could not. Our sport's not cheap, and my ego versus my instructor's ego wasn't a good match. And then I trained up at uh, Club MMA, which is such an incredible school. And that's kind of where I had, like, that's where I transitioned from, just a pressure, egotistical, win, 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 always winning in practice. I'm winning in drilling. I'm winning in sparring. I'm winning. And what a horrible, <laughs> what a horrible person. Like, if that person came in here today, <laughs> crush him. Oh, it's it doesn't matter what belt. It's on, right? Yeah. So when I went up to Club MMA, they really helped me take a step back and understand technique. Now, where's Club MMA? They they got a few schools. Um, they were located where I think where Nishimi is now, on the west side of Cincinnati. Okay. So I was driving about 45 minutes to an hour. So that became an issue. Training up there really helped me take a step back and understand my body and understand technique. When you went there, were you a blue belt at that point? I was a blue belt. I uh, actually got a I got a bronze at the Pans that year, not the Attaboy. Like, I actually won a bronze medal. I think we talked about that on one of our other podcasts where if you come in, if you get into the semifinals at all, you're guaranteed a medal. So that, so four people at an IBJJF yeah. Pans competition get medals. So you're saying it wasn't necessarily the fourth guy. You were, you were third. I was there. No, I got, yeah, I got the medal. A couple calls could have kept me from the finals, but that's on me. I, I left... Jordan, and uh, I won a Chicago Open that weekend without a coach on my own. <laughs> Coincidentally, the last gold medal I've ever won. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the bronze medalist. You got it. Yeah. Uh, so winning the Chicago Open was uh, it's a personal thing for me. It wasn't about the gold medal. It was – I went through a lot. I, I left my family. I went to a new family that just welcomed me. I didn't have a, a coach in my corner, and uh, I had a really busy work schedule that week. The startup company I was working for, our website went down. So through all that, I was able to win the Chicago Open. And then I really, really started missing our family at Triple Crown. Every gym says they have the most family. Our gym has the biggest family. And everybody's right. I missed it. This was when I was training with uh, Shane. Brandon was my number one training partner. Mike Preston. And Mike Preston kept texting me. So I started training with Mike Preston at one of our Nishimi school. So Jason Nisimay is one of the other Sean Hammond's affiliates. You got it. Yep. And uh, he would do guest instructors. And um, Mike actually was the one who got me to to ask Jordan to let me to come back. So they um, 
they posted in a chat. People allow me to come back in. I've been with us ever since. So what's it like to leave a, a family, right? Because like you said, it's a family. It is. It's the same thing I think probably most schools. What's it like to leave a family, go somewhere else, and then have to kind of ask to come back? How was that? It was hard because the, the beef wasn't with me and my team. It was me and the instructor, the owner. I remember going to the Pan Ams the following year and seeing like Kevin and Kevin Murphy, who we train with now, uh, Armando, uh, Mike Preston, I think that's the year he won the Pan Ams, actually. And I couldn't celebrate with them. That killed me then. Interesting. Now, Club MMA will never say a bad word. I still don't think I was quite the personality fit, but I love those guys. If I ever get leveled up to Black Belt, I mean, I, I will make sure that they get the recognition for helping me become a jiu-jitsu practitioner versus a wannabe MMA jiu-jitsu fighter. That's, that's a really cool transition. I think we get a lot of people that come in. We get a lot of people that come in and they want to they want to be a fighter, right? Mm-hmm. We hear it quite often where they come in and, oh, man, you, I saw on your website you guys do MMA and you do jiu-jitsu and striking. And uh, those guys never last. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every time I go anywhere and I'm wearing like a triple crown MMA shirt, hoodie, they're like, oh, bro, like you do MMA, you fight. And I'm like – no, I do jiu-jitsu, but they're like, man, like, that's so cool. Like, do you watch the UFC? I watch the UFC. Uh, I want to fight. Uh, like, can I come in? I'm like, yeah, dude, if you come in, we have fighters, but you're going to have to prove yourself. I mean, imagine MMA, mixed martial arts. That means you're good at jiu-jitsu. You're good at wrestling. You're good at boxing. You're good at Muay Thai. You're good at good possibly ju- judo. Like, I, I don't know how people do it. My brain can only handle one thing at a time. I can imagine trying to like perfect my jujitsu, and that's the I know like I gotta get kicked in the head by you know, Elisa. Like well, that was too much for me. And it's interesting because so Jeff Johnson, he's he's our head striking instructor, and he he says he doesn't do jujitsu, he does Jeff jitsu, right? Because it is very different jujitsu mm-hmm. when, when you're worried about getting hit in the face or kicked or punched. A hundred percent. You can't do the same thing in guard. Like guard's a super safe position in jujitsu, not so much in MMA. Like your face is exposed and your body's exposed. And exactly. But it's interesting to hear that transition. Because I have yet to see really more than a couple of people make that transition from, I want to be a fighter, I want to be a fighter, to actually investing in the sport, right? And I think when I look at most of the MMA fighters, they've invested in their craft and in their sport. You got it. And that's what it takes to be an MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really interesting to hear that someone invested, but you invested so heavy into jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. instead of striking, which yeah. is really cool. I was still – you can still not be an asshole and be good at jiu-jitsu. Yeah. It's crazy to see how it's come full circle today with, you know, like the Gordon Ryans out there. I know I'm going to get some hate on that. (laughs) Um, You know, like you can actually be nice. When I came back and really started investing in my teammates, like drilling. Drilling is your time to drill. Rolling. If you get tapped out in class, you probably should be getting tapped out. If you're not trying something, you know, like I try to get tapped out once a class. Well, I don't have to try right now. It's happening pretty easily. (laughs) Um you know, I understand if you're training for a competition, that's one thing. Um, but class is your time to learn. Competition is your time to compete. Once I made that mindset, my jiu-jitsu took off. Yes, I haven't won any gold medals, but... Uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, let's go. So before the pandemic, uh, Mike started a morning class, 6 o'clock, I think it was. Yeah, it was. And I, I came to that probably, I think, once a week, twice a week, usually. Mm-hmm. Too early for me. It was was too early. It was super early. It's still too early for Vic, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a baby. So we had Panda Power Hour at 5. Big baby. Yeah. (laughs) He showed up for like two weeks and then bounced. It's because I didn't get the MVP. 
Because <laughs> we have my, the most valuable panda. My girlfriend got the MVP and I didn't. She did because she's better than you are. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Not totally laughs> it's right. much more valuable. Yeah. Uh, so we we had that class and, and that that's where the first time I heard BJJ bronze gold medalist. Has that been around for a while? Is that something you just It is started? something I think I will slap happy in the morning. Um, Vic and you guys teach. Teaching is, a, is exhausting. It sure is. It's not about you. It's about your students. Trying to come up with a curriculum that makes sense. Without overteaching, that's exhausting in itself. Let alone, let alone doing that at six a.m. So I was uh, caffeinated up. <laughs> I was teaching one day. I'm like, I want to teach you guys to be bronze medalists because I've not won a gold medal since 2013. Since the Chicago, since Chicago Open, yeah. lots of uh, lots of bronze medal, lots of silver medals. Uh, I've done well in every big tournament. Purple belt. Uh, I made it to the quarterfinals at the Worlds, Masters Worlds. Really, you know, that close to the the bronze medal. And say my brown belt, you know, I've done really well, but they've always been bronze medals. My jiu-jitsu is not that bad. Is it great jiu-jitsu? No, not at all. I would never say I had great jiu-jitsu. It's effective. And I think the way that my my approach, like the post-fighter approach to jiu-jitsu on teaching series and sequences, I feel like that bronze medal approach, uh, sharing it uh, with other people. And it also... Jiu-jitsu is not about the medals, right? It's a joke. Like, no, I'm going to teach you jiu-jitsu. I'll get you a bronze medal. Gold's on you. Like, I can't do that. <laughs> and I was just slap happy one morning, and it, it really took off. And um, we had a really good group that kind of believed in this concept of, no, this stuff works a little bit. <laughs> there's a certain point, right? There's a, you yeah. got to figure some of this stuff out. And I think that that's it's so appropriate because there's a game. Mm-hmm. And you got to figure out the game. To your point, the jiu-jitsu will get you to bronze medal. Like understanding the physics and the and the actual leverage and mechanics of jiu-jitsu should get you a bronze medal if you can figure it out. Past that, it's athleticism. It's stringing those things together. It's thinking thinking on your feet or back or where you happen to be, right? It's all those pieces that come into play. Absolutely. It's your mindset. It's your, your willingness to come in and train when you don't want to. It's, it's a lot, you know. And I know people just... We, we see people post their gold medals, but it takes a lot to win anything. Yeah, like I used to define myself by that. Even uh, as a purple belt, when I stopped winning first, it, it kind of messed with me. When I really embraced the fact that I'm competing for myself. To win a gold medal, even the out-of-boy medals, you're still on the mat, take them. Yeah. I have a whole clause of them, but when I, when I look back on my jiu-jitsu, no one cares about it. No one cares that blue belt Mike Little won the Pan Am, or almost won the Pan Ams. No one cares that I have two attaboy medals, Pan Am medals at Brown Belt. I think what people look back and see that I fight hard, I fight effective, I try to make those around me better. Jordan hates us. I go to a tournament, I'm friends with everybody. Some of my best friends uh, I've met are through competing. Triple across my family, but I have a lot of really good friends at different schools. And it's funny, uh, Sebastian, one of our beast purple belts. He travels a lot oh, for uh, work, and he's always hit me up like, hey, I'm in this state. Here, text. Text this person. Go train with them. Oh, it's awesome. Every once in a while on a, a random Saturday, we have open mats on Saturdays from 10 to 12, and Mike will walk in, and behind him will be like two black belts. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, these are my friends. This is Matt, and this is John. And that's what's just so unique about jiu-jitsu. A brand-new white belt can be on the same mat training at the same intensity as a world champion. The same intensity, not the same effectiveness, but intensity. <laughs> but definitely the same intensity. You got that right. A janitor, this is like the only place a janitor and a CEO, I've seen it, could be in one place. Yeah. A very conservative or a very, like a very liberal. It doesn't matter. You put that gear on, it's 
what's better each other's physical, mental, you name it. And that's, that's why I'm still with it, you know? So that's, you know, talking about coming back, right? You've, mm. you've endured a lot. Yeah, a you, lot. You've been a brown belt for a minute now. Forever. Um, <laughs> it's a it's it's a joke now with me and uh, a few of like Sean Hammond's uh, people. It, it's hard. I mean, the goal is black belt. Yeah, that's okay. Like you're allowed to want a belt. Belts don't define you as a person. It, it means that you haven't given up. It means you put the work in. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to be a black belt, and it's it's hard seeing a lot of my good friends. They're there and they're succeeding. I mean, Russ will never admit, but may I just put it on Russ? <laughs> there's a, hey, hey, you know what? Hey, Russ, I love you, buddy. You put it on me the other night. Uh, there's a picture of me, like, north-south. Like, Tyler. Tyler Hampton. Were you around when he, and Tyler and I have talked about this. He was such a horrible blue belt. <laughs> God, he's one of the worst blue belts I've ever okay, rolled with. This is, okay, this is real so, funny. So, Tyler Hampton, let me just square up. So, obviously, a lot of people don't know Tyler, but uh, Tyler Hampton was uh, our head coach for a while as a um, that BJJ head coach. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He is under our system. We have a belt system for kickboxing. He's a brown belt, which is obviously right next to uh, black belt. In striking, phenomenal striker. He's had some amateur bouts. I mean, he is just an all-around badass fighter. Right? Like, that dude has a gas tank that doesn't stop. I mean, he's just an amazing and super, super nice individual. So just kind of frame up who he yeah. is. <laughs> I remember one day, and Shane, because, you know, me and Shane used to carpool to the gym together, all right, uh, every day. One day after class, we put our geese in the car, we get in the car, he starts the car, he looks at me, he's like, man, Tyler doesn't suck anymore. He really put it on me tonight. <laughs> yes. It's like something clicked with him, because he was passing my guard and held me inside control, and I couldn't do anything. And it's funny, you know, I came into the gym. When I came to the gym, Tyler was a brown belt. Mm-hmm. So I always look at, you know, Tyler and you and Russ and, you know, Johnny V, Kevin, those folks as, as just always being a – like, you don't think of them as being a really shitty blue belt. They can't do anything. <laughs> right? It's funny. That was Tyler. And the other day he tapped me, like, quick. And my first mind, like, I used to have a blue belt. Like, nobody <laughs> cares that I beat Tyler as a blue belt. At an open mat on a random Saturday in oh, December. You no, know, it, it, but that's, man, and it's, you know, and I, and I look at that journey. There's a lot that goes into that to even become a black belt. You know, personal life, this is, this is crazy. Um, we've lost our, my best friend, everyone's best friend to yeah. brain cancer. Uh, that's still like, that's giving me goosebumps now. Yeah. I lost another best friend here to suicide. Which prompted me to get medical help because I almost ended up killing myself. I'm sorry if that's very abrupt. Uh, yeah, almost, I almost nice. committed suicide, and and now like that's helped me like kind of become the person I'm now. Not saying the suicide attempt, but understanding how my brain works and understanding I need medication and therapy and seeing how jujitsu you know factors into that. <laughs> I remember when I was at uh, in the inpatient center at uh, Saint Elizabeth, so. Again, I never had a, I never attempted suicide. I had a plan to, and I realized that um, my ex-wife actually drove me to the hospital. And I just remember, like, if I get out of this place, I'm, all I'm going to do is train jujitsu. I'm just going to train. I was in, I was in a hospital for three days. It felt like a year. So the mats, it, the mats mean a lot to a lot of us. Shane would love to train jujitsu again. Mike Preston. He would, I'm sure wherever he's at, like he wants to train jujitsu again. So when you realize how much passion, how much love that a lot of people have for this and have for each other, that's how I'm able to come in. If I don't get a black belt, who gives a shit? 
I don't. Uh, not anymore. You know, it, it was it was hard when I didn't get it. My buddy Kenny Cross down at Sean, we've <laughs> came up the uh, ranks together. We've uh, we've competed in a lot of the same divisions, and now he's he almost beat a um, he almost beat Capretro. I, I think I mispronounced Absolute winner of two thousand home homeboy beats him, and me and him, you know, like I want to get my black belt with Kenny Cross. So that's challenging, but. Now it's not about the black belt. It's just about just being fortunate enough, especially after the pandemic with both my torn shoulders. I'm just happy to come in. And that's the journey. Right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's on a different journey and everybody has a different path through that. You know, people have gotten promoted uh, faster than you, right? I don't think it's ahead of, but faster than mm-hmm. you have or have just taken different different paths. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think and, and hopefully, you know, we all recognize the influence that we have in the sphere of influence, right? I'm a lowly blue belt. I don't know anything, right? One stripe blue belt. There's people that follow me on this. Like we've started yeah. this podcast, and you know, there's a guy James Fisher who's a black belt up at, at Valor uh, MMA, and he I saw him at the last tournament, and he's like, "Man, it is so cool to watch your Panda Power Hour on Facebook and just see how you guys, are, you know, what you've done, mm-hmm. and see the people that you don't normally see. Like they're not the regular training jujitsu people; they're just parents. They're people. That's the impact that I've made. I mean, Vic, you you've impacted the entire kids class, right? I mean, you, you have an entire group of kids that some of them have grown up and they're now mm-hmm. moving to the adult class. That's so weird. And, and, but I, and you're 12. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, you know, I, I think that's weird right now. I mean, seeing kids transition from the kids class to the adult class. But when I look at where I started, I was in the kids class and my, I, I met Mike as a purple belt, like a fresh purple belt, him mm-hmm. and Shane. I was in the kids class and then I... Uh, I was beating up all the kids in the kids' class. So Jordan was like, Vic, you're in the adult class now. And I was like, man. <laughs> and that's and that's the journey, right? And then, and then we get to Mike. And Mike has a completely different journey. Yeah. And the influence that you've had over me personally, right, my ability mm. to do jiu-jitsu and the things that I do know. And yeah, I love sparring with you. We get to spar quite often. Yeah, we do. Regularly. And it's just so much fun. And I, I, I actually caught something the other day, and it was mostly out of luck. Uh, for sure. I was so proud of you. It was, it was, and it was one of those moments where I, I had this choke in, and it was deep, and I'm like, oh my god, is he gonna tap? Like, is, is and this is one of those like, you know, I'm again blue belt. He's a brown belt. He's been with me since the beginning, right? We've co- we've trained together. He coached me, and I finally got like this really deep, deep, deep loop choke. Like it was, it was just perfectly timed. And I was like, is he going to go out? Is he going to tap or is he going to go out? Like, he's going to pass out because it's a blood choke. And th- I mean, this shit's tight. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't. He tapped and, and he looked at me and it was that that look of like. You want you want to get, they want to cuss at you, but they are also so proud of you. That's exactly what it was. It, was. it was this look of, you son of a, good job. <laughs> that, <that's> exactly. <laughs> when, when I tapped Jordan, it was the same thing. Jordan looked at me. He was about to say something. Then was <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go, Vic. Well, and I think it was right after <laughs> yeah. that. You're like, hey, that was really good, but let me show you this. And you stopped yourself and you said, you know you know what? You got me. I don't have to show you anything. <laughs> it, was, it was just really and, cool. And that's where – that's that full circle of jiu-jitsu. It's, again, your different journeys, right? Like Vic, I mean, Vic came to us, what, 9 or 10? Uh, 11? 11. Okay. 11. And so Vic's – Going through something that I've had to go through. Vic is used to be now used to be this kid. Now he's a beast purple belt instructor that has a career that's very bright in front of him. And I look up to Vic now, and again, like he was that little kid in the class, just trying to learn. And that's what 
I, I try to teach people like how to do jujitsu. Don't be an asshole to each other. Like, cause the kids in the class, they're watching the adults over there. Uh, they see how you act. They see how, if you hold on to a tap, they see, they see all that. Once you kind of comprehend that, it's almost your obligation to, to, I want to say be a role model, but to be as best as you can be in that moment for everyone else around you. Because someone else is going to look up to them and them, and that's how we're able to do on. this. Yeah. So speaking time. of, what's you know, for, for, we're older. Yeah. You're how old are you? Uh, Thirty eight, but with uh, my torn, both torn shoulders and arthritic knees. <laughs> I can't tell you where my uh, and every one of these injuries is thanks to Jordan, by the way. Yeah. Um, so thirty eight. Actually, I blame my shoulder injury on Jordan too. Every uh, single one. Of I them. think we just blame everything on Jordan. That's yeah. Uh, so so thirty eight years old. I, you know, I'm 41, obviously. Mm. What do you do differently when you roll with those 18, 19, 20-year-old, you know, super strong, ton of energy, just go forever kind of kids? I have two methods. It's <laughs> – there's still a little bit of me, that, that fiery blue belt, and I'll go. Oh, uh, yeah. Me, me and Vic will go. <laughs> He'll go. <laughs> and that's my, like – I'll give him that look like, no, old boy still has it. Like, let's not forget <laughs> that, right? Other times it's – really teaching yourself how to control your body and your grips and your breathing. When you start to get effective at jiu-jitsu, you can really start to control your positions. So things like learning how to grip right, not overly grip or under grip, learning how to get to your best positions quick and how to maneuver out of those positions. I'll also do that. But no, if they want to go, let's go. Now I get one of those per class, but there's people like Sean. Uh, there's people like Sean. Uh, Sean doesn't roll with adults anymore. Sean Hammonds. Sean Hammonds, yeah. Sean Hammonds. People that are trying to kill Sean, because, you know, he's with a four or five stripe black belt. If you tap Sean, like, people, like, they try to make a name off that. Yeah. Sean has nothing to prove to anyone. You know? that's, that's almost like, yeah, you, you, there's no win there, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> if he beats him, well, he should have. If he loses, it's like, oh, my God, he lost. So when Vic taps me, that's awesome. Fist bump, let's go. Tapping someone out doesn't mean you're better than them. It means you tap them out. And once you understand that, like, the sport becomes fun. I think it's so appropriate because there is no way on God's green earth that I would say I'm better at jiu-jitsu than you are. <laughs> I got it one out of, like, three years of training. But I got one. You got it. And, and I, th I think most people, once they get uh, – I want to say this right. Once they understand jiu-jitsu, right, like, just understand the basic concept. Yeah. So we're talking, like, four-stripe white belt, blue belt, kind of that era where they actually understand what a position is, I mm -hmm. guess, has an opportunity to – Get a submission on an upper belt one of a couple of different ways, right? You're either going to get lucky and in the, the, the upper belt probably just underestimated and you moved in the right place at the right time. So you just – you got lucky, right? Or the upper belt's trying to work something. And we see – I see you guys do that all the time where you'll put yourself in a bad situation so you can try and get out of it so you can get better mm -hmm. at getting out of those bad situations. And that's really the only reason you're ever going to tap a, a, a higher belt. It's not because you're better at jujitsu than they are. You caught them. Right? Yeah. Right? That caught in in. But it's fun catching upper belts. Oh, for sure. I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, it's exciting. I'm still, <laughs> dude, I'm still, I'm still a, a brown belt. I love tapping black belt. Sure. You know, I've been competing against black belts since purple belt. And a lot of like my, a lot of ultra heavy tournaments local, it's a brown and black belt. I've never tapped a black belt in competition, nor probably will I if I ever do get my black belt. You, uh, you'll do like one or two. I'm so going to. Yeah. Brown. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. To me, as. I, I can't commit to coaching due to my work schedule, but I still consider myself a coach or what you know, whatever. But if your students are tapping you, you've done their job. Yeah, you've you've worked with them and they've gotten to their position, and then they're able to develop what you've taught them 
physically, mentally, and things like that. So when like you guys tap me, like I'm so proud of you. Now I go home and rack my head on like, what did I do wrong? Like as anybody, but that's part about being a coach. It's one thing to compete with your students. I'm sure you're better than your students, but having that that friction on, like trying you to always be. beat your students, <laughs> that's okay. You know, your students should be better than you. I hope so. I, I really hope an 18-year-old super purple ball can tap me. Like, I really hope that's the case. That's a thing. If not, like, we need to we need to put more work in you. Or you shouldn't be a purple ball, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> From purple to brown, if you're that much younger, for sure. So a couple questions that we ask pretty much everybody. Yeah. Love to hear your thoughts on what one or two key elements of jiu-jitsu have you used throughout all of your life? Yeah, I'm going to, I, I get emotional on this one. Never tap out. Now, that doesn't mean in a competition. Tap in a competition. Uh, but when I was, uh, you know, when I was in a hospital and I wanted to tap out to life, it could still fight a little bit more. Um, you know, when I was in my, I did a, a six-week intensive outpatient program. You know, there's going to be hard times. And, like, because when people, again, I don't suffer from mental health. I have mental health. I'm not a sufferer. Like, I don't, it doesn't define who I am as a person. But when there's moments where my anxiety, like I can't sit still or like right now, I don't think you guys even know this. I'm in between medicine. I can't even get off my couch in the morning. My, my physical energy and my depression is so bad. I can't get it. I, I just cannot get out of bed this morning, but I can keep moving just a little bit. Don't tap out. Keep moving. So this whole concept of don't give up. I learned that from jujitsu. One of my buddies at my first IBJJF tournament, his name is Chris. He's a, he's a black belt down at uh, Alliance down in uh, Atlanta. I think I was up like 15, 20, nothing against him. Taps me. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, and that's happened to me a few times. If, you know, someone can do that in a competition setting, I could do that in my own personal life. I could do that, you know, in other aspects. Now, I've also learned it's okay to tap. So I think... We, we grow up a lot understanding that don't ever quit. Don't ever quit. A tap is just saying, you got me, but let's start back over. Let's try it again. Let's maybe try a different route. So the whole never give up mentality, you can always just go a little bit more. I love that. That's where I, that's where I say jujitsu saved my life because I'm not going to tap out the life. You know, it's, I'm not taking myself out, <laughs> you know, that's awesome. That's so. and, and I think we've all been in shitty situations, be it on the mats or off the mats. And I think that, that mentality of just don't give up, just move a little bit. Even if you can just get that extra half inch, extra half inch, extra half inch, that's it goes really far, man. That's awesome. It, it, it really does. So, so, oh, so let me ask you something. So, to the new person just walking in through the door, what is the one piece of advice you'd give them, or someone who is who started training years ago but then ended up stopping because life, and then they want to get back into it. You know, and I've gone through that. You know, I didn't train throughout the pandemic. I, Johnny V and I trained in his basement, so I was able to get some training in to stay loose. Having come back, I think I started coming back back in February. Just come in. That's the only advice. Walking through the doors of any gym, whether it be a, a new global gym or even like a gym like ours, it could be really intimidating because we're all so really close. Come in and just keep coming. If life takes you away uh, from the mats, the mats are going to be there. I mean, I had to come back. I think I came back a week before, like, a Sean Hammond seminar. And people are like, hey, it's Mike Little. It's like I never left. Now, physically, I felt like I left. 
I think I'm just now maybe getting to the point to where I kind of feel like a brown belt again. Just come. You don't have to be motivated to come in here. I don't always want to come to class. I'm tired, works hard, everything hurts. But if you can just come in, there's enough motivation. Or there's enough people here that are going to motivate you. Um, so you don't have to be motivated. You just have enough discipline to get in the car and come to class. And maybe that's the time. That's the two hours you get to put your phone down. Um, that's the two hours that you know whatever's going on at home is not happening. So just come. I think the rest kind of speaks for itself. So. Yeah, I mean, you took some time off a couple times, right? So you t- you talked earlier about how you took a bit of time off back a while ago, mm-hmm. and then during COVID, there's a lot of life stuff that happens when you do that, right? Like, I think that's probably the biggest thing that gets in the way. Mm-hmm. How Absolutely. do you deal with with that? You come back and whatever the things are at home, they've changed, and people are asking about those old things because those are maybe the things you had in common. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that anxiety of of oh shit, everybody's going to ask me about X Y Z, right? It's hard, um, you know. A lot of things have changed, you know, in my life. There's other people that are kind of going through something similar, but if you're in the right school and it feels like a family, your family understands. Your family doesn't judge you. Ideally, by the time you get to black belt, a lot of people agree and disagree with me. I think black belt should not just be skill-based. It should be character-based. Um, there's a lot of things going on in the jiu-jitsu community that I'll talk about offline. There's a lot of people out there that shouldn't be black belts, even though they're good at jiu-jitsu. So if my family, if that's truly my family in here, they should, they're going to love me regardless. They know my character. And, and to me, that's what matters most. Uh, if someone asks me a question, if I don't want to answer it, hey, you know, like, yeah, I don't really want to talk about that right now. Yeah. Cool. And if they're like, if they keep bugging you, well, I'm going to tap them out. I mean, like, <laughs> that's my arrogance. I think, I think that's one of the, the cool know. things about this is that when somebody really pisses you off, like you just, you get it out of the bats. Yeah. Yeah. So just come. It, it's all it is. And if your family, man, if they don't love and appreciate you for who you are, that's not the right gym for you. Yeah, and there's sure. a gym out there for you. So. That's awesome. I mean, Mike, this has been awesome. It's been yeah. so cool to get to know you a bit better. You know, it, it's interesting as we've been doing this, uh, so that I think we've done about f- six or seven interviews so far, and it's just so neat to get to learn things. You know, when you're on the mats, you have conversation, you talk for sure, and you get to know people a little bit better. We don't really get to know the person mm-hmm. behind the person on the mat, right? I think mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like when you see somebody outside of the gym, and they're not in a, a gi, you're not in a rash garden shorts, like... I think I know you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's different. And it's been really cool to get to know you differently, right? Yeah. Better and, and understand your background and story. So cool. Excited to share the journey with you. Absolutely. Excited to be part of that journey. And we appreciate everything you do. Of course. Now, you two are a big part of my journey now. I'm excited to see, you know, your growth, see what what, what happens with uh, our Purple Belt Monster up here. And, you know, <laughs> just seeing your, your influence on the gym. Again, like, it doesn't matter if you're a, pro, uh, a Blue Belt. Like, you have such a great influence on this gym in such a short amount of time. Uh, I'm just as big a fan as you guys. I, I like to sit back and watch and kind of see what you guys are doing with the program, and it's it's just as a pleasure on my end. So appreciate you. Anything you want to plug? Any uh, Instagram handles uh, or Facebook pages? <laughs> uh, I, not anymore. Uh, I was trying to be a sponsored athlete many moons ago. <laughs> uh, I'm 38. Everything hurts. Uh, but no, I. If you guys learn anything from me, just put a gig on. Cool. Come in. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Hey, guys, can catch us on our Facebook page at Panda Power Hour. Or our brand new Instagram 
at BJJ Pandas. Come on, tell us what you thought. If you want to be on the program, love to have you. Uh, love to have you on, on and, and talk about it. Even if you're not local, we can do this uh, internationally, I suppose. So I think we have some friends in Brazil who might try to get on if we, if we can figure out how to translate. Like all my family. All of their family, all my family and friends. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, let us know what you think. Super, super interested. Want to hear back from our community. Love you guys. Be safe. Be strong. Stay on the mats. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>